Listeners, welcome aboard Costume Station Zero. I'm back with Malachi Keller. Hey, everybody. And we're going to continue on to part two of our talk about robots and all kinds of other fun things. Robots. Still centering on Halloween, not quite the convention circuit. Yeah, yeah. Comic-Con was sort of on my radar, and I was going to them, but... Not in costume yet. Mm-hmm. I would see people occasionally, and I think I thought about it. In my mind, I'm like, wow, that'd be kind of cool. But also, at the same time, money was definitely an issue. And I knew some of the sources for the materials, but not all of them. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it, it took sort of trying to get back into the business where I started to research and I started to find stuff. And then I would run into people. Mm-hmm. And that's when it started to kind of build. And then, of course, there was being challenged. And I remember the the, the next one that sort of comes to mind is the big Comic-Con effort that we did. Um, Because I can't remember... I I think this came before Iron Man. Yeah, it was probably a couple of years before Iron Man. But um, uh, my friend Nathan is the one that um, is the Cobra Commander guy. He he had a bunch of friends, and we were all into Danger Girl. I don't know if you remember this comic book. Yes, J. Scott Campbell. And we loved that comic. And... All the girls involved in our group were all like, oh, yeah, we would totally dress up for this. So mm-hmm. the guys are like, really? All right. What can, what can we do? <laughs> and then Nathan was like, we should do the masquerade at Comic-Con. So we went nuts. We devised a 16-person stage crew like show extravaganza. Mm-hmm. We, pulled, hmm. we pulled all the actual Danger Girls. We pulled all the sub-characters. We pulled all the villains <laughs> and troops made armor made full suits made a crazy <laughs> amount of stuff i mean i single-handedly uh there's a character called uh, major maxim mm-hmm. who's like this huge hulking guy who has like a a backpack full of liquid he has glowing red eyes mm-hmm. and he's got the big nazi hat did that whole outfit um i had a friend i think i traded for her to sew the coat for me mm-hmm. and i did a big muscle suit to make me huge i had these boom moon boots and then i had another friend of mine sculpt the backpack, but I, I, I like I made the mold and then I fiberglass that thing and I had tanks that had air circulating bubblers inside the water and everything, right. so it, it looked like like real bubble water. Wow. And I, yeah, and then I blue LEDs, which at that point blue LEDs was very hard to find. They the first time blue LEDs came out, most people may not know this is Batman and Robin. That was when they really came out. Okay. The people knew about them, but nobody was going near them. And Batman and Robin ordered like everything in existence. Of blue course. LEDs. Yeah. And God, it was so hard to find like even two blue LEDs. <laughs> you were paying, I think, up to ten dollars an LED. Mm-hmm. It was just outrageous. But but yes, I, uh, oh yeah, totally. And, and now you can get them for like what a hundred for a dollar. I mean, it's <laughs> just insane. But um, but yeah, I, I made that suit, and then I made um, one of the girls' backpacks completely from scratch. I mean, we went and bought junk at a garage sale, and As I you put do. and I put that thing together in ten minutes, and just spray painting it the next hour. Uh, made um, daggers for two of the characters, mm-hmm. and that was uh, sculpted, molded, right. cast pieces. Um, I made a. Uh, a drawing that we then transferred to like a cloth piece and then sewed onto the back of one of the jackets to get this look it's supposed to be embroidered effect but nobody wanted to like hand embroider this no. image or like you're nuts we'll, we'll glue it on the back you know um god yeah and then of course there was audio i, I like did voices for the mm-hmm. audio thing because we actually did an audio mix and we had a, I mean, granted, Nathan knows a lot of people, so we got all sorts of voice actors, and, and we put together this thing that you played, so no, everybody just had to mime and kind of hit their spot on the stage, 
And yeah, it was so over the top professional that in the end, we didn't get anything. We didn't oh. even get honorable mention. We didn't get nothing mm -hmm. because everyone thought we bought our stuff. There were people looking at us going, oh, no, you didn't make that. Nobody believed we'd made this stuff. And and I still think we, we got robbed completely because wow. there was so much stuff that looked handmade to me. Mm -hmm. Totally looked handmade. You mm -hmm. could see the seams on everything. Mm -hmm. And yet, no, they, they just, nobody seemed to acknowledge it at all. The only great acknowledgement we got, I mean, granted, you know, 16 friends did that. And I think only seven of them still talk to each other. You know, ah. just just to give you an example of how bitter things can go when you don't win at there, a contest. Yes. Now there there had there was some up close judging going on. Oh yeah, mm -hmm. and one of the judges was a friend of mine, and and, and I still got burned on that one. Try wow. that. I, I I almost you know I almost killed myself too sweat wise because uh, in those suits this is something that most people probably don't think about you you kind of when you do amateur costuming you have a tendency to to not consider that you're going to wear it for very long yeah and they they did this thing where they stuck everybody into this non-air conditioned room for Ooh. like five hours straight Ooh. so in this suit i must have sweated off easily 10 pounds mm -hmm. and by the end of the show i just barely got through like the show then the picture taking and then i finally got the costume off and i just literally like fell to my knees and threw up on the sidewalk i mean i was just i had pushed myself so beyond the far point and it and it definitely made me angry mm -hmm. about the whole thing but um in the end the, the thing that i think kind of saved a lot of people was that the creator of the comic mm -hmm. saw us and he he found i guess two of the people's blogs where we talked about this mm -hmm. and every one of those blogs he wrote up like endless things about how awesome we were how he was so sad we got robbed if he had had any choice in the matter he would have given us awards and yeah and and i've met him a couple of times mm -hmm. so i i mean it's it, it was definitely great that way to at least get recognized by like the creator of, of the comic so yeah. so it was worth that pain but definitely that was a definite lesson of you know that you can go too far sometimes <laughs> <laughs> you, can, you can top yourself too much is what you're saying. And, oh, yeah. And I'm, I'm sure that um, this was like a, a giant uh, love letter to, to Danger Girl. I mean, I'm, I'm even imagining this being like, we've even got the third guard from the left kind of mentality. Yeah, we had, because um, I was Major Maxim, one of the girls was the um, the, the Russian uh, girl, Natalia, I think it was, something. Uh -huh. They had, then we had three soldiers just by themselves, one of them carrying the flag. We mm -hmm. sewed this huge Nazi-style style flag banner. They had weapons. They had custom armor. <laughs> I mean, you talk about way over the top, man. Right. We had... This is an example to me of definite masquerade cosplay, not hall cosplay. Oh yeah, say. oh yeah. That this was uh, this was our effort to try and win. I mean, mm -hmm. it was definitely everybody involved uh, was really trying, and then we we did choreography, we did all the steps and stuff. We mm -hmm. we tried to do character work. I mean, there really was a lot of effort, sure. and it was really kind of I I mean. I, doing a galley last year with you and and that was sort of definitely a vindication of that moment <laughs> because it had been years since i'd had i'd done a masquerade because of that whole notion i, now, I what, didn't want to go near it what year was the danger girl 2005 2006 maybe okay because 2008 i came out in iron man the mark three okay and and that was sort of the beginning of the current version of 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 cosplay that you know me as right that's where i got real serious and i i did the whole suit and then i said you know what now i'm going to start doing suits like every year and going out and seeing people and such but that was that that was a big hit too that that one um that, that was the one and only year i took my wife and son uh, -huh. uh both the sons and um oh yeah we got mobbed <laughs> we got mobbed my wife almost decked somebody <laughs> wow yeah, there are a few other things that occurred, but it was, suffice to say, people are really rude when they want to get your picture sometimes. Well, it depends on the setting and so forth. I haven't run into too many problems, but I can understand kind of what you run into. If anything, I tend to run into more problems with security. But um, <laughs> I was going to say that, because uh, I know we've talked about this, and that um, part of this is the reason why uh, I know... Uh, I, I do this, and I know you prefer this, that you favor Hall cosplay over Masquerade cosplay now. Um, uh, part of that, definitely from that experience, but also 
the more that I have done, because uh, uh, my wife Christina loves doing the masquerade. I've mm. actually done a number of them now, and we've won some stuff. Mm. And I think it's because you have to kind of understand a certain mentality goes along with masquerade. It's not, you know, as skilled as you are or as cool as your costume is. There's more to it. There's definitely showmanship. Oh, there's yeah. definitely picking the right sort of costume for the right kind of judging. I mean, mm-hmm. you can't you can't just go in there. I mean, you can, and to a degree, you'll win sometimes, depending on how cute you are or how much appeal you can get from the audience. But you have to pick a costume that people know mm-hmm. that that is semi current. That it, either that, or if you're going to pick an old one, it's got to be a damn funny joke because. Mm-hmm. If you don't get any of that laughter, yeah, the judges remember these sort of things. And that was sort of the turnoff for me of masquerades is that I just enjoy the pure acknowledgement. I know many times I've walked the floor in an outfit and it's just a thrill. It is an absolute thrill to have somebody just kind of, you know, they're walking by and their friends grab their shoulder and turn them around and they go, what? Oh, whoa! You know, yeah. I always love those sort of expressions. And and, and the ones I, I sort of hate, I, I love I love hate relationship definitely, but the, the kids, I mean, I love the kids that are, are sort of scared of you, but they're brave enough, they come up mm-hmm. and they won't, they shake. And once they shake your hand, they're like, oh, you know, some of them give you a hug. Mm-hmm. But I hate the parents that hold up the babies mm-hmm. and they get them close to you to take the picture and the baby's like, ah, ah, yeah. ah, give me away. Yeah. You know, they're crying and stuff and you're going, dude, don't traumatize this yes. child. Yes. <laughs> you know? Pay attention here. Yeah. yeah and, and that's part of the big problem that that I definitely run into because most of the costumes I do, I like to cover my face. Mm-hmm. I don't like people to know essentially who I am. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll cover my body and such because I, I don't know. I'm fascinated by that notion of being somebody else. Mm-hmm. And when you wear a cloth costume yeah you have to have to give it a bit of effort to kind of have the right swagger and have the right sort of facial looks and stuff i mean i've seen in terms of the cross play it's amazing to see some of the women and how they portray you know jack harkness for one example and it's just amazing you can really do it if you've got the right attitude and the right look mm-hmm. and I, I'm always afraid of doing that. I'm always, I'd like, I'd much rather just head to toe. All I get to do is stand there and look menacing. <laughs> and I've noticed that too. I, I'm definitely favoring villains a lot. Villains obviously get cooler costumes most of the time. You, you favor the armor and robots and villains where you just, yeah, you get to just stomp around, which definitely has a fun factor and a wow factor that a lot of cloth costumes don't always necessarily command. I know some of the yeah some of the doctor outfits though that you have I'm just like oh my god that's oh my god wow <laughs> it's just all the layers all the details so yeah don't don't discount it I mean if you no, do no. it right yeah it, it it can be amazing sometimes indeed indeed it's just it's it's uh, it's less common to, yeah. to see that kind of cosplay um, what was I going to say so what what would you say has been your favorite cosplay convention that you've attended. Uh, definitely Gallifrey at this point. Gallifrey won. Um, let's see. I, I've done um, done Comic Con number of years. Just did WonderCon. Uh, I've done um, Kamikaze. Uh, I used to do the Shrine convention all the time, but that never did that really in costume. Mm-hmm. Um, but <clears throat> Gallifrey is definitely one of those middle ground conventions where. You can feel the potential to be a Comic-Con, but it's still a nice, comfortable environment where you can almost know everybody there. Yeah. Almost. Mm -hmm. And it's such a small enough crowd. But then on top of that, celebrities, when they come there, you can actually talk to them. Oh, yeah. You can get up close to them. It's It's not security ushering them away. And if they choose, they can tell security, wait a second, you know, I want to go and say hello to this kid, you know, or I want to, you know, sign an autograph or something. And I like that, that sort of feeling of, um, of being close to everything, feeling like you're a part of it. I don't like it when it gets so big and so out of control that you are, you're just another cog in everything. It's a cattle call. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And for me, that's a big thing about why I masquerade or why I cosplay in general is that I want to be in the crowd. I want the crowd to reach out and touch me. Hopefully, not rip a part of my costume right. off. Yeah, uh, been there. <laughs> but uh, but yes, I, I want 
that kind of contact because sometimes you never know you might meet somebody and you want to rip off the helmet and go dude you're awesome i love you that's so cool i mean yeah because because those are those are the moments that that's part of the reason why you do this is you definitely you want to meet the people i mean why dress up and walk among the people if you don't want to meet them right and you want to take the pictures you want to be known for your work and that's the thing I've noticed is that when you walk the halls, you get like thousands of photos taken of you. And some of them are much better photos than some of the ones you take sometimes, <laughs> depending on if you have like your own personal photographer. Right. I mean, uh, definitely Scott takes a, a very mean picture there. Oh, yes. So, yes. so I'm not going to, you know, I'm not even going to go near that. But I know that there are so many times where people have definitely captured me in a better light than I thought mm-hmm. I could get. And it's just because they loved the character they loved taking the picture mm-hmm. and it's that appreciation you can see it you can just see it in the photo and you oh, can yeah. you're like wow you know what i may have stayed up two nights straight and nearly you know hurt myself doing that but man was it worth it mm-hmm. to know that somebody loved it possibly even more than i did yeah <laughs> you know and, and so to me that personable notion is still there in gallifrey mm-hmm. you can still feel it in the halls now granted yes if you know the big name stars start coming then yeah i have a feeling we're going to get a bigger haul and then you're going to start seeing that that row that used to be five feet from the stage is now 20 feet from the stage <laughs> there's a rope there in between there's uh people going no 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 no, no. don't 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 go there you know <laughs> I, I you know i'm of a belief that you know gallifrey has always been you know fan run and i think it'll always have that at its core but you're right i wonder where it's going to go if things continue to grow the way it has been which on one level is awesome i think more people should go it's a, it's a great time but you're right it's uh because doctor who of course is getting more popular ergo the convention is getting more popular oh yeah um but it is, it is an awesome time and I, and I do love that quality about it um uh, i've said this before but a, a friend of mine uh, has often said that um the reason he likes it a lot and he went when he wasn't even much of a who fan uh <laughs> is because it felt like the early days of star trek conventions before you know creation kind of oh you're you know, right you're right i do remember some of that back in new yeah. york we uh, my brother and i went to uh, a v convention mm-hmm. like uh, v the original series yeah, yeah, yeah. sort of thing the uh-huh. mini series mind you and we went nuts we um we actually uh did a, a full head appliance of freddy for me and mm-hmm. i made the glove and everything and uh uh martin uh from v i can't remember the uh, martin donovan uh oh oh uh mark singer uh no 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 um not singer the uh the sympathetic uh visitor oh the guy who played freddy yeah i think uh, i think so yeah. oh no no robert robert england robert yeah england. and uh there was another guy too but um but they saw the makeup, mm-hmm. and they were just like, "Oh my god!" Oh, like touching my face and everything. Like right. that's that. Wow, did you do you do this professionally? That's just what we wear on the show. Wow, and, and it was sort of exactly what you're talking about. It was before the huge creation qualities, mm-hmm. and I could be there and have an actor actually yep. talk to me and touch my face and go, yep. "That's cool." Mm-hmm. Yeah, you you wouldn't see that now. That that's like much more rare anyway. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the only way that happens is if you catch the actor at the bar. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because that seems to be the quality now. I mean, last Comic Con was like that. We went to the right bar at the right time, and my wife gets pictures of John Barrowman. There you go. As <laughs> so you do. Yeah, it's it's part of its luck, and part of it is just knowing that they're just like us. They're going to want to have a drink and relax after a long day of sweaty, slobbering geeks going. Can you please sign my jacket <laughs> yeah it, it does seem to me that uh most of these uh celebrities I've, I've met outside of the you know established here i'm signing or here I'm, a, I'm in a panel basically outside of the handlers um that they uh always seem to be much cooler when you approach them one-on-one outside of that region you know you've kind of covered this but what, what are your thoughts about screen accuracy and, and how important is it to go for ultra micron accurate versus just go for the read and go for the feel of a costume um i'm definitely more of a go for the feel kind of comfort wearing the sort of thing than absolute screen accurate um part of that is coming from the side of actually doing costumes for the screen they're not always as accurate as you would think they are Mm -hmm. and a lot of times they're cheated for the screen so sure what you see in these pictures is is where they've taken something that was screen point and they've they've definitely cleaned it up Mm -hmm. to take these publicity shots so a lot of times people are building from these shots and i'm like that's not no that wasn't the actual (laughs) on set piece you know and you would know 
Yeah, right. In, in rare occasions. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, for me, it's about can I get sort of the the, the evocative feel mm-hmm. of the of the piece and still get it close enough. Sure. And, and I mean, like Cyberman is a great example of that. I mean, if you were to look at it and truly measure it. I mean, I did a great job of scaling based on the action figure, which was mm-hmm. very nice. It helped a lot. But um, the head is definitely larger than it's supposed to be. The The chest is a different uh, scale than the waist should be. The The height of the legs, the, the thighs uh, is definitely shorter than it should be. All this stuff are considerations where I fubbed it a little bit for me. Right, it so had to that, fit you. Exactly, right. it fit me. And obviously not screen accurate. I mean, obviously, and it's also made of foam. It's not made of hard fiberglass. I mm-hmm. I may do a fiberglass Cyberman, but it's just one of those things where I probably end up making it as a kit for other people. Because <laughs> I just, I, I mean, once you make something the first time, I, I sort of don't want to revisit it again unless mm-hmm. I can improve it or make something better out of it. I, sure. I thrill to the challenge of something new. Solving time. it, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I, I can totally see that. Actually, while we're on the Cyberman, I, I do want to discuss that a bit because it's it's an amazing costume and uh, it uh, obviously went down very well at Gallifrey. I, I think that's the first time we've had a new series Cyberman at Gallifrey. I, um, I believe it's one of the few that's actually in the U.S. because my understanding is most of the suits are actual. Somehow the molds have been smuggled out and mm-hmm. a number have been pulled from them and they are fiberglass copies that are floating around the U.K. Mm-hmm. And I know many people have hounded me to like you yeah. know, to, to give the patterns away and stuff but um i, I gotta ask you though um and this is sort of a, i guess a personal question is that i remember the first time i, I talked to you about it we were bowling at, uh, at wally's 50th and, oh that's right and i could almost see the look on your face of like yeah dude okay we'll talk about this outfit when you get it done you know <laughs> if you ever get it done <laughs> and i was wondering if you actually thought it was serious <laughs> doing that piece um yeah no yeah, well i look i i didn't know you as well then and uh i i think i had heard of a couple of people attempt it and they never got very far and i knew some of the complexities involved in making it because i you know i'd read you know up on that costume and i knew how hard it was for me just to make my 1975 version and i'd been getting stalled trying to make an invasion 1968 version yeah. which is ever more still on my back burner drawing board folks <laughs> um and uh and and also just just i don't know just thinking about wearing i love wearing it i love the reaction but here's what i think is kind of sad i love my the, my vintage cyberman because that was that was oh, that was the tom baker cyberman but um, it, gets a, it gets a good reaction. But boy, compared to the reaction you get, because that's that's the one that all the current fans it's know. It's just the new, yeah. It's, it's the, yeah. the it's the newer model. It's the timing. Yeah, I I I, I don't mind admitting, dude, that um, you were part of the reason why I got that thing done. Oh, you'd seen mine? No, I just I was like, I'm gonna prove Bob wrong. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm gonna prove this guy wrong. <laughs> It was. There was this little bit of part of me. I'm like, I can't wait to show this to Bob because he's going to go. Wow, you actually made it. Yeah, it's, it's very so. impressive. I, I saw the uh, the build going on the RPF, and uh, I was like, wow. Uh, yeah, that's uh, another great one too. If I could plug the, the the replica prop form because they definitely having that sort of instant feedback, mm-hmm. especially if you're like doing that. That does that pushes you on. I it mean, does. You, you get your own personal cheering section sometimes. Oh, and, yeah, and it, and you may hate doing that thing. But now you can't let down your little fan base, your little groupies there. Yeah, you know? yeah I, I'm currently cheering on the guy doing the Condor Man costume. Oh, I just saw that with the yeah, wings. Yeah, the wings. Oh, I, I found it really funny. We talked about the soundtrack, and I think I saw that thread like yep. almost the next day. And I'm like, yep. what are the coincidences of that? I've been wanting to do that costume, but I, I always stop short because of those darn wings. And now that I see him, like, it's possible. <laughs> so one day I might be following that guy's footsteps being like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be Woody and Condor Man too. It, it was um, crazy because looking at his thing and thinking about you, I actually, and, and I know this is blasphemy, but there was a part of me like, I wonder if I wonder what an updated Condor Man would look like. Uh, well, you know, but that's cool though. And, and I kept thinking of like if you wrote an updated movie nowadays, uh-huh. keep the same element of sort of a cheesy spy thriller type thing, right? But it has an element of seriousness underlying uh-huh. the whole thing. How would you go about that? What kind of 
story would that be? And and I, it, it is. It's like one of those like you talk about backburner. I'm sure that's going to nag me until I like write down a synopsis for something. <laughs> well, hey, that's a fan film in the works at least. Uh, you know, oh, yeah. you know, Condor Man uh, definitely has its fans, and we're we're definitely two of them. So um, yes, two of. Two. Two, no. <laughs> two. two of, I'll go as far as saying like 20. No. Oh, yeah. Um, That's true. Count how many people are in the thread. <laughs> yeah, count how many people are in the thread. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's a, hey, it, it would be an impressive costume just for the wings. Oh, no, no you're right. Yeah. I, I look forward to seeing it when, when he has it all together. I'm, oh. I'm going to be like, wow. Yeah. I, I, I may actually, you know, give him the, because I, I got one on one of my threads and I need to have one of myself, but somebody has this picture where it's the bottom of a, uh, a thread spool, uh-huh. and somehow they've got it engraved. It says legendary thread. Nah. <laughs> Badass. Yeah. And it's like a close-up of somebody holding it. And I'm going, i got to make one of those, because, yes, that's an award that you give out to it people is. that really do it. So. It should be a ribbon for Gallifrey. <laughs> that's not it. You know what? Nah. Uh. <laughs> Genesis of another ribbon. Oh, my God. That will have to be a new segment on this podcast. Genesis of a Gallifrey ribbon. ribbon. <laughs> <laughs> God, that's a six-hour one. <laughs> Just a little segment once in a while, like a thirty-second story. Oh, uh, so uh, yeah, but that Cyberman was was awesome, and uh, we we don't have time to get into everything. But if anybody's interested, there is this phenomenal thread on the RPF that goes into greater detail about it under uh, Malachi's name, which is Wonder Squid. Yeah. Um, um, you know, also uh, my uh, my Facebook page is uh, Mal's Fantasy Factory, all one word, and um, I have some of the build up there as well. And I'll so, post a link to that as well. Not perfect. Um, but yeah, uh, the the foam build on that was was really phenomenal. And it's funny how how great because uh, Paul uh, Salamoff and I were talking about this recently about uh, the Morbius build and uh, how really I got that, that was amazing. Yeah, <laughs> I thought no, that was a I, great build too. It, it, it was. I've done little things like the Sash of Rassilon and uh, some parts of my Cyberman, but going to that level, I was I was being schooled. And, oh yeah. Uh, you know, and I looked at what you did, and I'm always fascinated by how um, you can make that foam look like metal if you paint it right. Yeah. And that's that just blows my mind because that always kept me away from those kind of costumes until you know I learned all this. The stuff. the Iron Man the two the Mark three in two thousand eight yeah. was the beginning of that because sure. when I discovered that I could paint it with automotive colors and then lay a clear coat that actually made it look like glossy car body. Mm-hmm. Right. That was amazing to me. That was just like oh my god mm-hmm. wow you know because I I had people coming up to me and literally poking me. Mm-hmm. It's just like you know <laughs> total strangers poke nice. and they're like oh my god that. That's, what is that? You know, it's just they, they couldn't comprehend. They could see their brain like practically frying. But that's the beauty of it is mm-hmm. that if you do it right, you can get amazing results out of it. But yes, sometimes it's an epic fail if you <laughs> you can't get it right. You know, you, you give it your best shot. But I, yeah. I mean, it's funny because um, just learning to, curve. Yeah, just today I, I was I was realizing. I'm going to have to sit down and do some tutorials, some true tutorials on all this sort of stuff. Because I, I, I teach this stuff at the costume college, and unfortunately last year I, I couldn't make it. But, um, but yeah, I'm beginning to think that I could actually do this. I could you know, do workshops because as many people doing the foam fabricating technique, there's still like these learning curves that I, for me, it's just a second nature. But I... I've been cutting foam for like 15 years, yeah. so yeah. doing a bevel cut is like nothing for right. me. But there was an entire thread today where I was literally, I spent a paragraph trying to describe how to do this. And I'm thinking, God, I just have to film this. I just have to like it, get out the camera and film it. YouTube. And, and there's also this part of me going, God, the moment I do that, man, really the kid, the, the genie's out of the bottle then. Because I, I mean, if that's the, the, the part that people are having the most trouble with because mm-hmm. there are people doing better coatings than what I do. And you think the metal looks good on me that there's a guy that did a test on an Iron Man thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, his name is X robots. He's out of the UK. He's he, I think he's perfected the way that you can take foam and coat it with a resin, like a, um, a polyurethane resin, mm-hmm. very thin coat. And it's almost like a, a vacuform hard shell piece. I mean, oh, wow. he got, he did a paint uh, test and yeah, it looked just like a fiberglass piece. I mean, it was amazing. And I'm mm. like, oh my God, I know the camera does things, but damn it, that's awesome. <laughs> well, at the end of so. the day, it is how it reads on camera that almost is king, you know? True, true. I mean, for me, and, and that's a, a good one that uh, a good discussion I think you need to go over is uh, 
there's a difference nowadays when you're a cosplayer. It's not so much about how it reads on that camera as much as how it is in person. When you have to keep both in mind, though. True, very true. But I, I found I always shoot for the in-person look, mm -hmm. and the camera sort of follows. Sure. It, if you can get it good enough that people can stand at least like two feet away from you, mm -hmm. and it's amazing to them, if they're standing five feet away taking a picture, forget it. That picture's going to make it look like real metal at that point. Mm -hmm. Right, you right. Know, and, and you know, only only the wearer knows the difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. I, I do think your idea for workshops is great, and I am definitely, um, we've talked about this, I'm going to follow up with Sean and see if we can get that going um, for Gallifrey, because I think that would be extremely helpful and uh, productive for people. Um, yeah, enough people are asking for the Cyberman helmet. I think I'm going to have to break out those patterns and perfect them to a point where they're user-friendly. Sure. That's another one, too, is a lot of what I do is sort of, tailored to the way that I make things. Right. So yeah, I, I get those requests all the time. Release the patterns, release the patterns. I, I know if I simply said, here are the patterns, everyone would go, uh... Uh, uh, okay, um, uh, I, I think this goes here. No, 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 that doesn't... What 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 does B mean? Oh, God, what, does that go... Oh, no, it's backwards! Ah! Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I know that when you do something, yeah, you're thinking about how it goes together, and there are patterns that I haven't seen in years mm -hmm. that even I had to look at and go, right. what the hell was I thinking when I made this pattern? I can't even remember how this works. Well, well, then this could be educational both ways. Um, yeah, actually, uh, so for those of you listening who um, might be attending Gallifrey One, definitely drop me a comment or an email or a private message and let me know what you'd like to see there for a costume panel or what you're into. And hey, uh, since Malachi and I are talking about workshops, if there's anything in particular you're um, interested in making within reason, obviously, we're not going to build a whole set of armor, but, uh, you know, definitely just saying something, open to suggestions. Something that can be accomplished, hopefully, in a couple of hours. In a couple of hours, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, please uh, send me feedback as, uh, you know, we want to make sure people get the most out of this stuff. I've um, been toying with the idea of doing, like, little foam, like, cartoony versions of Sonics. Yeah. That I, I something think, for kids. Yeah. yeah, yeah something like, like we talked about doing a kit type right. thing where kids come in and they glue it together or they can mix and match and make their own custom Sonic based on, you know, silly foam lying around. So. I, I like that in the TARDIS idea. I think they're both yeah. very good. Um, actually, I'm, I'm going to have to probably uh, uh, pick your brain again because I, uh, again, another back burner costume with the Condor <laughs> Man. Who knows when I'll get to it. My plate's always full of Doctor <laughs> Who stuff. Is, uh, Condor Man. Condor Man. <laughs> Uh, that's one of the greatest themes of all time. Um, <laughs> I'm not joking. It really is. Um, the uh, I've always wanted to do a comic book 70s Iron Man, which I know is a different uh, type of approach. Well, some of it carries, but it's the gold part that gets tricky. The toughest part about that is it's essentially a muscle suit. Mm -hmm. And doing um, muscle suits, usually to get them to like look like muscles, not mm -hmm. like I've got a muscle and when I bend it creases yeah. right at the arm. It doesn't yeah. like move like a muscle. Is you end up building it onto a bodysuit and the muscles themselves float a little bit mm -hmm. in between the bodysuit and a layer of fabric above them. Oh. So it's sort of think of it like a real human body. Mm-hmm. But, um, but, yeah, there's a slight element of that going on, and that's the problem is you would have to build the muscle suit first. That would mm -hmm. be the key to the whole thing is build a convincing muscle suit with the fabric covering. If you can get that, oh, the rest of it's cakewalk at that really? point. Really? I mean, then you're just building the, the comic booky armor pieces yeah, on top. And, and, and you and I both know that armor like that, yeah, I, I could do that with my eyes closed. So okay, well, it's that muscle suit that really would worry me. But there is somebody that bought um, some of my uh, weapon sets for War yep. Machine, and they're mm -hmm. supposedly doing a comic book War Machine. Oh. So I, I told them to send me some pics when they're done. I, I'm curious, and, and it's a woman, no less. Well, so. we, uh, yet, yet more sharing of the craft that might help oh, here, because yeah. I uh, I mean, it's just to me that uh, I mean, look, I, I I'm a DC guy, but of the Marvel guys, uh, Spidey and Iron Man are up there for me, and I would love uh, to represent the old school Iron Man. With so all you could movies. do Spidey. You're, you've got the body for it. Oh no, 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 no! That's that's I'm too much of a fat ass. I could never go. <laughs> I, my Spider Man would be that thing that they put up on the boards and mock for years. <laughs> oh God! I, I I know when to. How about Venom? Be. He could be Venom. There you go. He's a bigger guy. Yeah, still, like, no, I want to still. be Spider-Man. <laughs> no, 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 no. I don't mind Venom, but still, he, he's he's got more bulk on his shoulders than he does in his gut. <laughs> okay. Ah, okay, I see what you're saying. Uh, um, so uh, I always ask, what uh, what's on your plate right now? What costumes are in the pipeline for you? Oh God, do I want to tell everybody? <laughs> well, what are you willing to tell us? 
Well, obviously for Gallifrey, there is um, one, two, three, maybe four. Wow. Okay. I don't think we're going to get them all done. No, but, I didn't but, think so. But there's four that, and granted, two of those are my wife's mm-hmm. ideas. One of them is what you and I talked about, about the robot, and then the other one is the what I'd like to keep somewhat secret for the moment. Okay. When you say robot, we were talking the K1 robot, right? Yeah. You're... Uh, you're, you're yeah, I want to point his, to the sign that used to be right here. He's lying on his back right now. Right oh, there, there you go. Oh, okay. There you go. Yeah. So, yeah. But I know that um, uh, I, I'm going to give a shout out to uh, to Tori over at the BBC America booth. Uh, she's been such a, a doll to us. But she was the one that suggested the giant adipose mm-hmm. in the first place. And she suggested a, uh, a Sauron? Santarin. Santarin. So that that's probably going to be the one that I'm going to have to work on because of sort of that point of, like, that's the challenge, the gauntlet mm-hmm. throwing. Because, I mean, at this point, I'm hoping that I have an entire collection of costumes for the BBC America <laughs> booth. <laughs> so each year it's like, ha, see, you got to hire me. you got to hire and You have no choice. I, <laughs> God, that, that would be the, the, the love of it. Um, I mean, on a personal note, yeah, I actually want to do a RoboCop. I've, mm-hmm. I've avoided it for many years, and sort of the gauntlet was thrown that right. the challenge down that um you know can't can't do foam it doesn't look right well i actually did a test of a glove for somebody else's robocop outfit mm-hmm. and yeah it was the the, the flexibility of movement mm-hmm. was so much more than what traditional suits are giving you of right course, now of course so yeah I, I have a feeling that at the very least I'm probably going to be making Robocop hands and Iron Man hands for people because nice. um, because that's the other one too is I'm thinking about doing a, a vacuform setup for mm-hmm. an Iron Man glove so that because you know, everybody's doing their gloves and I'm realizing I could literally do what my parents do which is that they they sell toy train parts on the side mm-hmm. and it's not so much you know the trains as the parts to keep them running I could do the same thing I could outfit hundreds of cosplayers <laughs> with parts sure. into various pieces I don't have sure. to give you the whole suit yeah. even though everybody wants the suit I'm just like you know what nah here, here I'll sell you my boots you know <laughs> or my you know there are other guys out there who do the same thing I'll sell you the arc reactor kit or your mm. eye light kit or things like that and and it's it's that sort of thing I mean it's kind of funny it's almost like a marketplace you know you go to the right place and, and that's the other thing I need to get involved with is live journal is get involved with the Doctor Who community and live yeah, journal. Yeah, you have to. Yeah, as I imagine, there are people on there that are going to be like, "Oh God, have you made this? Oh, make this for us!" You know, and I'm going to be like, "Oh no." <laughs> so it's a great community, though. I highly suggest you. I, and check I do it out. enjoy. I can't believe how much I love making Doctor Who stuff. I mean, that's right, because you weren't really a big fan till recently. I know it was. It was sort of. It's funny. I was dreading this question because I thought it would be the first thing out out of your mouth. It's no, like, I, this is not a Doctor Who specific podcast. Oh, that's though true. It, that's though true. it might okay. feel that way at times. Uh, I I promise not to dwell here too long. No, no, but it, yeah, it was just a point of um, I, I found that uh, yeah, back then for Doctor Who was growing up as a kid and not really appreciating it, and now sure. obviously the new show has some cool designs and it has cool stuff, and I just can't help myself. I keep looking at things, going, "Wow, damn it! I have to like go work for Millennium Facts because <laughs> apparently they keep making like a lot of cool outfits, mm-hmm. and I want to do that." But I mean, I've talked with both Neil and um, I think it's Mark is the other guy there, uh, or Matt, and um, both of them talk about the same restricted schedules yeah. that I had for Star Trek. I yeah. mean, I can tell them a story, and, and they just kind of chuckle and go, yeah, yeah, we have the same thing. I mean, they told me the Cybermen was like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had six suits that they had to make in, I think, four weeks, something like that. I mean, it was some crazy schedule. And we're talking full fiberglass suits mm-hmm. that had to be fit to actors and all this undersuit work that had to be done. Sure. I mean, it was, there was a lot of work. There's a write-up. I, I should give you the book, by the way. I, mm-hmm. I, I posted it on the RPF, if you haven't seen it yet. Everyone kept begging for this article. It's in uh, this UK Sci-Fi Modelers magazine. Uh-huh. Neil wrote an account of making the Cybermen. And it's oh, got wow. these amazing behind-the-scenes photos. Mm-hmm. And everyone kept hearing me and like three other guys talk about it in my thread. Uh-huh. And like, post it already, you teasers! <laughs> and, you know, so finally, um, the other guy got the, found the magazine. Magazine. I thought it was out of print. He found it. I went and bought it, and then I finally scanned it and posted it up. So you should read the article. And yeah, I'd love to check it out. Really I'll, cool. I'll repost it for the listeners here too. They're yeah. those interested. Um, so I, I always liked it. Well, okay. Before I get to this question, yeah. um, you know, we, we talk about all of these fairly uh, advanced techniques, uh, ah. 
yes. of uh, you know fiberglass and vac form and foam construction. Now, for people just starting out, uh, what are what are some basic intro um, advice tips you have for them in terms of finding materials and just starting out? Well, um, your local hobby store, your local arts and crafts store. I mean, for us, it's Joann's and Michael's and uh, like even Home Depot is mm-hmm. a fun one. I, I used to I used to go to Home Depot and just like wander the aisles oh, yeah, and yeah. go, God, I could build a lightsaber just in the plumbing aisle. Oh, <laughs> yeah, the plumbing aisle is a godsend. But it's it's sort of that as as a beginner, that's sort of the beginning of your whole journey is if you can possess that talent or that technique or that um, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. The ability to see the extraordinary out of the mundane, mm-hmm. that that will reward you time and time again. And for me, that was something I've had all my life. I will literally look at just boxes laying on the ground or cardboard tubes, and my mind starts racing. I'm like, oh, I can glue this here. I can use this here. Oh, you know. And that's, that, that's to me, the beginning quality is that you start building things out of anything you can find at home. Mm-hmm. And then you start to graduate. Then you start to go, okay, you know what? I want to build this out of a better material. Right. Or I want to make it closer to the accurate piece. So that's when you start venturing out into the world of, let me go to the arts and crafts store. And let me find a different material to work with than cardboard. Let me get into the felt and then the foam. And then, you know, oh, maybe I, I want to add metal work to it now. I want to like find like wires and stuff. So now I'm going to Home Depot. Right. And yeah. It's like yeah. all this stuff that these places are wealths of things that you can now get to make these things so much better. And, but I, I always encourage people, start with your simple cardboard costumes. I mean, in fact, learn to sew. That's probably the single best thing. I mean, everybody that wants to build the armor is always like, oh, I don't go near sewing. Trust me, the art of sewing is such a valuable, valuable skill. Mm-hmm. I mean, just the fact that you can repair your own clothes mm-hmm. is, is such a great thing. But when you start making things from scratch yeah. and you study patterns, that technique alone will help you to understand how things are made. Mm-hmm. I mean, flat patterning is one of the greatest inventions of the world, and people just don't understand. I mean, it just just imagine that for a moment. Just picture in your mind the fact that, you know, I can take that recorder, and I can literally break it down in my mind into just a couple of sheets of paper. Mm-hmm. And then draw it out, and then you cut it out, and when you fold it back up, it looks like the recorder. Mm-hmm. I mean, that alone gives you so much understanding of how the world is constructed. That is the thing that will lead you onto the greater glory of all these things. Because once you've got that down, anything you see can suddenly become those parts. Right. And and it's when you understand how it's broken down. You know, it's not just a rectangle. It's a rectangle that has like rounded corners and you could you know you could like get different colored pieces to accent pieces like there are circular parts there that you could get from you know home depot or mm-hmm. you could you know use cardboard tubes or or even pvc piping i mean it's just when you understand all those components and you see them mm-hmm. then all it is is collecting the parts and building it right i mean it just it gets so much easier and that's the thing i always try to encourage the beginners is see the world that way that is the thing that will help you so much Beyond that, it's just learning techniques. It's just skills that mm-hmm. you can be taught. Mm-hmm. And patience and practice will get you through the rest of it. But it's having that innate talent to, to begin with. And you can teach yourself that talent. It just takes practice. But seeing the world that way really helps. Sure. Because that's how we build this stuff. Mm-hmm. When, when we're asked professionally, we're given a drawing. Oh, yeah. And the first thing we look at in that drawing is... What is that made of? Mm-hmm. You know, how do you want to make it? And usually we'll be wanting to make it like maybe out of fiberglass or vacuform. And sometimes they'll come to us and say, no, we want that out of foam because we're planning on that guy tumbling down a sure. hill. You know, so it's like, mm-hmm. okay. And, and applications do. They change how you think. I mean, obviously, if you want to reach for the sky, and, you know, there are books out there. There are tutorials out there. You just have to look. I mean... I know so many people online that have homemade vacuum formers. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. So to me, it's almost almost a, a thing that has to be in your garage now at this point. I'm shocked, honestly, that Home Depot doesn't sell it. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I mean, if they could find a commercial application like, here, vacuum form toilet seats, yes. you know, then, then they would sell this damn thing for your garage. But, right. but that's like having a vacuum former is not really the hardest thing in the world. And then fiberglassing, 
is honestly it's just technique mm -hmm. i mean you can go get the materials at any home depot and technique is about you know learning it online i mean sometimes it comes with instructions in mm -hmm. the, in the package that tells you you know you lay it this way you you, you mix it to this chemical right. composition i mean right. a lot of it's already there it's just i think that a lot of beginners get excited and they want to skip over that they mm -hmm. want somebody they want a mentor that comes in and goes okay we don't need to worry about reading all the safety skills here. <laughs> Let's just, here, why don't you put your hand right next to the blade? Yes. <laughs> mm -hmm. and, and I mean, obviously, yeah, having the tools and stuff does give us the cheating element. You mm -hmm. know, that's part of the reason why I offer to make this stuff because I almost feel it a responsibility. I have the tools and for them to just be sitting there mm -hmm. is a crime. So I'm like, you know what? No. Damn it. They need to be used. And if that means... I, I've got to make something for somebody, then I'm going to make that. You know? Oh, yeah. But, I mean, yeah, people at home, yeah, they, there's so many people that that whole Pepecora thing has just kind of made the world open up to oh, everyone. Completely. I, I mean, Pepecora is this program. Um, it's uh, 3D modeling for games has exploded, and now you can 3D model anything in the world using, like, uh, uh, 3D Studio Max, um, Lightwave, any program. And... When you make a 3D model, you have to texture map it. And texture mapping is the process by which you take the entire surface of your model and lay it flat, like a flat patterned piece. Mm -hmm. And then you paint that. And then when you reapply it to your model, now your model suddenly has all the color, it has the shading, it has all of the, the things that make it look like that character. Well, Pepakura is, is this amazingly brilliant notion. When you lay that thing flat... You bring it into Pepakura and it adds tabs mm. and it adds numbers. And now all you got to do is cut that out and glue it and voila, you've voila. got a 3D model. So, mm. I mean, it's, it's an amazing idea that I just, there are days where I just kind of kick myself and go, why, why didn't you invent that? Because <laughs> you were playing with this stuff for years. Why couldn't you think, like, make that leap, you mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. I mean, because Pete showed me uh, all the 3D modeling and I did make that statement at one point of like laying it flat. I was like, how do you color that? And he's like, oh, well, here, you do this. He did a click and he laid it flat. And I went, ah, it <laughs> takes me hours to do that. And he's like, oh, yeah, just do that. And I'm like, God, the world's going to end if someone figures out how to, you know, convert this into what I do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what, mm -hmm. five years later, mm -hmm. <laughs> the world is ending. The sky is falling. <laughs> you know? So, would, uh, would this fall under uh, what you feel is the most important thing you've learned doing this hobby? I think, no, the most important thing I've learned and the most important thing anyone should ever learn for any hobby is enjoy it. You really want to do it because you want to do it. Mm -hmm. um, it will become work because of the sheer amount of... of um, Man hours? Enthusiasm that you've bitten <laughs> off. You know? but, uh, but yes, um, try to enjoy it. Because mm -hmm. obviously, I, I mean, I sort of equate it to... Um, uh, like a marriage because I'm sure you've been there where you're talking with your friend who's broken up with somebody or, mm -hmm. or they're getting a divorce or something and they always do that line of like oh god you know I hate her and, and god I just can't see her the same way and for me whenever I talk to these people I always went think back to the beginning there was a reason why you started this yeah. there was a feeling you had at the beginning remember that feeling find that feeling again and you can rekindle something. It's the same thing with these projects. Mm -hmm. It takes us years to build these suits sometimes. If you can't find that first feeling you had when you started that project, that first enthusiastic, I've got to do this, then you're never going to get through it. But yeah, just um, find that enthusiasm, find that fun. That's really what will carry you through no matter what happens. And. And, and it's sort of like childbirth. I mean, I, I, you, you, any woman will tell you it's like pain and suffering going through it. But the moment you're, you've got it out there in the world, you're like, oh, he's so cute. Can we have another <laughs> one? You know? And it's sort of like costuming. You kill yourself to make that awesome costume. And then the moment that you're in front of even one person that, or, or worse yet, a celebrity that comes up to you and goes, oh my God, that's, oh wow, that looks just like what we had on set. You know, that, that as soon as you hear that, all mm -hmm. the pain just gets erased from your memory. Gosh. 
away. And, and you're like, wow, tomorrow I'm going to start again on yeah. something that takes me five years to make. That's an exaggeration, <laughs> but I know what you're saying. Yeah, once you have uh, the finished yeah. product and you have the reactions that just sell it, then, you know, it makes it all worthwhile. Oh, yeah. Um, a small question I also like to ask is, what's the strangest misidentification you've ever gotten in a costume? <laughs> I get it all the time with a lot of the robots. Um, I know that um, when I was wearing War Machine all the time, I would get, um, uh, what was it, look at the silver robot daddy. Or, um, sure, yeah. Or, God, what, what was, I got that. What, what was the other one? Um, oh, yeah, look, it's Iron Man. And I'm like, no, it's not. Iron Man's a different key. I'm not even red. What are you talking about? <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, oh, I got, um, when I was wearing Iron Man, I got, uh, which Transformer are you? Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I just, yeah, I, I had to laugh at that one. Um, I'm trying to think of, like, a really atrocious miss one. Um, I mean, nothing comes to mind, but yeah, I, I'm sure that, for me, I try not to remember those moments, because sometimes they're really painful. <laughs> it's just like, ow, don't say that, you know? I know that um, when I did the, um, the 2008 uh, Iron Man Mark III, um, the stomach area plate was mm -hmm. designed in such a way that it wasn't rigid enough. Uh -huh. So all I had to do was basically lean back uh -huh. or allow my gut to hang out. <laughs> And suddenly Iron Man had this huge belly. Well, somebody got that photo and it got up on gizmodo.com mm. and it was do-it-yourself beer-bellied Iron Man. And there were so many painful comments oh. on that one. And, and of course, you know, Christina was practically yelling at the screen reading some of these comments. Mm -hmm. But the only thing that saved me in that thread was that there was a guy posted... Uh, it's the most atrocious costume. I can barely describe it. It's just try to imagine a man who doesn't know the love of underwear wearing a skin tight outfit. Yes, yes, yes. Doesn't know dance belts. We're yeah. gonna have to talk about that later. Exactly. It's just like, oh God, even I cannot. It's in my mind. It's burned <laughs> into my vision. You can't. Oh, it away. I cannot. And some things cannot be unseen. Yes. Uh, but yeah, that that saved me from. I'm sure a longer embarrassing thread on that one. <laughs> well, um, I, I think that about wraps it up. Do you have any final thoughts? Do you have anything you want to plug that you're doing right now? Um, no, no, I, I try not to be too pluggy about stuff, but uh, just, yeah, just doing a lot of different stuff. Um, I mean, I, I'm trying to think of something cool that I, well, I, I do have a, um, a Halo outfit that I need to get back to because mm -hmm. I, I said I was going to do it right about the point of the Cyberman. Oh, yeah. And I got wrapped up in doing the Mark Seven Iron Man, and that just sucked up all the time. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I need to get back to that Halo outfit. Otherwise, I, I know there's a few people that wanted to see that thing done, and, and there was a... Uh, a chain sword that mm -hmm. I was trying to make for uh, Warhammer 40k. Right. And it's funny because I, the guy was like, well, just make it like any other chain sword. I'm like, I don't know what any of them look like. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so they actually came out with an official sort of chain sword that there's a model of that everybody has. It's huge, but none of it works. And I told this guy, oh, yeah, it'll be nothing flat to make a working one. Uh -huh. Oh, God, famous last words. Always. I am still trying to engineer that thing to work right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yep. my problem is I, I'm probably over engineering. It, I, I probably overthinking and upgrading. Yeah, that, oh, uh, yeah. that can suck the time away. Um, but this has been awesome. Uh, thank you for being on and discussing all the the wonderfulness of prop making and foam construction and the like. Thank you for having me, Bob. It's a pleasure. And uh, we'll be back next week with more costume shop talk here at Costume Station Zero.